Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcia Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we have Dr. John Patience. And uh, the topic uh, for today's uh, discussion is uh, managing pig growth during special conditions. Thanks for being here, Dr. Patience. Well, thank you, Marcio. It's a real pleasure to be with you again. Yeah, good. very good to see you this time over the, over the computer here. And uh, so we're going to have Dr. Patient's uh, bio in the, in the description, uh, very accomplished uh, nutritionist and faculty member, uh, as most of you already know. So Dr. Patient's, uh, you know, with the current situation right now, uh, COVID-19, and maybe even other situations where maybe we have, you know, uh, ASF coming to the country, hopefully not, uh, or any other things like that where you need to stop the movement. Um, we may need to s- slow a little bit the growth of the pigs, right? What, uh, if you can just give us, you know, that's, it's very rare, but, but, but that's kind of the goal of the talk today is, is have this tool in the toolbox, right? Absolutely. And it's good to have the information ahead of time so you can digest it, and then if you do need to uh, implement it, uh, and hopefully not, but if you do need to implement it, then you are uh, in a position to not have to run around trying to find the information you already have it available. So, but before we go any further, Marcio, I think it's important to to differentiate between uh, feeding programs and management programs that are designed to Uh, manage pigs that are at market weight or very close to market weight and Mm. we're not able to to ship them for harvest and so we need to quote hold them back a bit versus a situation where we're trying to slow down growth uh, because we think markets are going to get better we're going to try to time the market which we don't recommend of course (laughs) or worse we're just trying to reduce our our feed cost overall and that is nothing I say in the next 20 minutes or so is designed for that purpose. Now, I want to be very clear on that. We're talking, what I'm going to talk about is short-term things that we can do to uh, lower the, the cost of feeding those pigs for a short period of time, you know, one week, two weeks, maybe three weeks at the most, versus actually trying to reduce our feed cost of production because that's a whole different topic. Yeah, thanks for that. That makes sense. And and right now, for example, you know, some packing plants having maybe having to reduce some uh, shift and things like that. So so more of a contingency plan, right? 
Exactly right. This is a this is a short term. These are short term uh, strategies that can be implemented. Just as you said, if for some reason we're not able to move pigs out of our barn, or if we're uh, the packing plant for some reason is not able to receive the pigs. So, so that's I just wanted to to clarify and differentiate that. But so we've um, we've uh, got some ideas and suggestions on what producers can do and there's one that probably most of your listeners would already be aware of and that would be to bulk up the diet to feed high fiber ingredients like ddgs or wheat mids or corn germ meal or ingredients of that nature uh, however the problem is is that we now have ethanol plants that are shutting down so ddgs are in short supply mm. and i um, i'm a bit worried that if a lot of people start bulking up their diets, uh, then all of the high fiber ingredients could become in either in short supply or very, very expensive. And maybe that's the second general comment I should have made earlier too, is anything that I talk about might be situation specific and we should always look at the economic implications of what we're doing. And because sometimes the cost of slowing pigs down is greater than the cost of having some pigs go to the market heavy. So mm -hmm. we do that economic calculation to make sure we're, we're not really uh, practicing false economies. But anyhow, getting back to the point at hand, bulking up the diets is, uh, we know will work. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide the pigs with diets that are so bulky that they just physically cannot eat enough of that feed to grow maximally. Uh, it's the opposite to when we're trying to maximize growth rate, so we try not to increase fiber too high because we know the pigs can't eat enough of the diet. So we're, we're doing the opposite. Now we're mm -hmm. trying to increase the bulk of the diet. And I, I think the thumb rules that we would use here is that we want to get NDF or neutral detergent fiber to at least 15% of the diet. That would be what we think is the minimum required to get any uh, amount of reduction in growth rate. But if you really want to slow pigs down, you probably want to get up to 20%. Okay. And uh, Because remembering, if we only put a little bit of, of NDF in, and this is really insoluble fiber, um, that insoluble fiber, like the fiber in corn and in DDGs, it actually increases the rate of passage through the intestinal tract. Mm -hmm. So you put a small amount of fiber into that diet, it will increase the rate of passage and the pigs will actually eat more feed. For a little bit. Uh -huh. So that's why we say we have to get the NDF up to at least 15%. So that's option number one. Mm -hmm. Very bulk good. up the diet. And we think that's the most desirable option. Very good. One comment on that one, Dr. Patience. Last night I was going over a study, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's a, it's a large study we did when I was at PIC. It was made in Canada, seven levels of energy, uh, energy and NDF. And I was looking at the NDF and also the performance there. And I, I have some notes here. So, and just remind you that it was throughout the whole finishing period. It's not only like last right. day. So throughout the yeah. whole finishing period, from 9% NDF, which is corn soy, to uh, 23%, uh, we saw about 
about seven to ten days increasing time to market just to give some yeah. you know yeah. some numbers for the for the audience as far as like okay how much can we expect it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a quadratic response there right but just want to bring that up yes that's a very good point because what will happen is you increase that fiber a little bit um, depending on the health status of the pigs and the environment and, and so on if they have good access to feed they'll probably grow at the same rate um, uh, but they'll eat more feed so feed conversion gets worse so that brings in the issue of economics but mm -hmm. then increase NDF further then uh, uh, the pigs just can't compensate by eating more feed and that's when growth rate goes down. Feed conversion continues to get worse, right? Mm -hmm. the, the amount of feed per gain is going to continue to increase and so your 10 days is, uh, is, does not surprise me at all at 20, 23% uh, NDF. Very good. And, and just remind the folks now uh, from your comments, we're going to go from the best strategies to the not so desirable and then what you don't recommend right what else is would be on your either best or or moderate recommendation well yeah the the the, the bulking up the diet is really the best alternative i think it's uh it serves everybody well um it's gentlest on the pig um but i'm as i said i, I we have to be very careful about the economics of it and what the cost will be because that could be an issue but there's a number of other strategies that we we offer, but they all have their limitations and therefore concerns. But I'll I'll share those with you. Um, one of them is uh, that we can, in some fashion, try to reduce the feed supply. You can you know tighten up the feeders. You can, um, in some way you you don't want out of feed events that you that is not acceptable in any way, shape, or form because that is very very hard on the pigs and that's also going to lead to um, could lead to gastrointestinal problems like ileitis it can also lead to tail biting and other issues like that mm -hmm. but restricting access to feed is is uh, is an option that makes sense uh, but I just caution the other big caution with that one is is that variability of body weight is going to increase because when feed is in short supply mm. and the dominant pigs in the pen will get to eat maybe as much as they want or they'll get to eat more because they command the feeder. And less dominant pigs will get less feed and the really submissive pigs in, the, in that social group in that pen will get even less feed and so the net result will be some pigs will continue to grow well and some pigs will uh, grow not very well at all because that's kind of natural selection going on there. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons that we don't, uh, we offer caution. We don't, it's not that we don't recommend it, but we offer caution if you're restricting access to feed. Uh, another possibility, and, and, and this one concerns me a little bit, and that is, is that we can reduce the ventilation in the barn and allow the barn temperature to go up. And uh, I I think it's for every two degrees Fahrenheit that the temperature goes above the pig's sort of comfort zone, that feed intake will go down by about 0.1 pound per day. Mm -hmm. So a 10 degree increase in temperature would reduce feed intake by about a half a pound a day, which is obviously quite significant. Uh, 
Right. But we have to be very, very careful again with that one because of the well-being of the animals. I mean, uh, they're dealing with, with high temperatures normally anyhow. And so this is, a, this is not something that's an aberration. Um, and, um, but we, we, we got to be careful we don't go too far with it because then it can become a welfare concern. And also um, it can become a health concern for the pigs as well. So that's a that's another one. The next one, Marcio, is um, is a, a technically more demanding approach, but we know that it works and it works well mm-hmm. to use a kind of a salt called calcium chloride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and calcium chloride is available commercially, and it can be added to the feed. And without getting into the the biochemistry of it all. Mm-hmm know that as you increase the amount of calcium chloride in the diet, you will get a reduction in feed intake. And um, uh, so we, we are careful to recommend that uh, maybe 2% calcium chloride is the minimum you're going to want, and it may or may not reduce feed intake, but 4% calcium chloride will uh, substantially reduce feed intake, perhaps 30%. Mm-hmm. So again, as I mentioned, it's a technically demanding area because we're adding calcium as well as chloride. And so uh, we have to make sure then that if we're putting in calcium chloride into the diet, we have to take limestone out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, our uh, calcium gets way too high mm-hmm. To phosphorus and that's not healthy mm-hmm. um, so we want to reduce the, the, the limestone uh, what I'm saying is we want to balance for calcium and phosphorus mm-hmm. and we want to maintain the same uh, healthy proper ratio of calcium to phosphorus when we use this product and so sometimes then we may need to use some uh, another phosphorus source Obviously, dical or monocal is no good because it adds calcium. Mm-hmm. So something like monosodium phosphate mm-hmm. uh, as a product that will bring up uh, phosphorus but not bring up calcium. Mm. Interesting. So this is, a, this is a, a question where you need to have a, a qualified nutritionist to, to work with to, uh, to help define those diets. And, um, and, I'm, and again, this is a, for me, and we did research on this, 15, 20, 30 years ago, um, but we we're, we're always a bit concerned about the impact that it may have on, on bone development, and mm-hmm. so this is something that you can do for two or three weeks, but maybe four weeks at the absolute most, but I'm more comfortable with two or three weeks, mm-hmm. and go longer than that, because I'm, I'm not, I'm concerned that we don't have enough data on long-term feeding of the product and what that might do uh, to skeletal development. Interesting, and then uh, plenty of water as well, right? For those, yeah, you with any salt. That's a very good point. Thanks for reminding me, Marcio. Yes, you got it. You you must have uh, plenty of water so those animals can can clear the salts from their from their system. So that's uh, that's also important. And then the final one that is 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 in this category of it's not ideal, but it's bears looking at. And there are various bitter compounds out there that will suppress feed intake in the pigs. And, um, and so uh, they can be used, but 
the reason it's in the less desirable category category is I don't think we have enough data mm. on them. Uh, but for example, sodium saccharin is a product that will reduce feed intake in pigs if fed it at higher levels. But we just don't have the data to be able to say, well, put this quantity in the diet and you'll get this reduction in feed intake. Right. Okay. Interesting. What, uh, before we move on, um, to the other ones, uh, still, I'm still thinking, uh, actually jumping back here to the best yeah, a little yeah. bit question on the amino acid side of things. What, what are your thoughts there? We looked at, I mean, reducing amino acids, uh, Marcio, and, and I, I need to look into that a little further, but when I go back and I look at amino acid titration, say a lysine titration study, actually feed intake didn't change very much. Right. So I'd be concerned that we're, we think that if we lower amino acids, that we're then feeding a poorly balanced diet, and that could uh, reduce feed intake. It'll lower cost of the feed, mm-hmm. right? but I, uh, at least within the range of when we've done amino acid titration, so let's say from 80 or 85% of requirement above, we just don't typically... Mm-hmm we don't see a drop in, in feed intake. So I'm, we're not recommending yeah. that. Maybe if yeah. you go much lower, like some people are suggesting diets with very little soybean meal in it, and that one goes under my category of not recommended. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very low cost, but it's, um, uh, number one, it's, it's quite extreme. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very afraid that carcasses could become uh, overly fat. If we're feeding a diet that's inadequate in protein, we know what's going to happen, and that is is that the pig will uh, take amino acids from its body tissue to fulfill those requirements for enzymes and hormones and other things that that um, that um, amino acids are used in the body. Mm-hmm. Could get less lean in the carcass and much more fat. So. Maybe in a short term, week or two, maybe it's okay, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to feed it longer than that. Um, I can remember many, many years ago when I was an undergrad and we fed pigs with very, very low protein levels and they, their growth rate, it just slows to a crawl. They just, it's just not uh, uh, a good diet for them. And I'm also worried then when you do that, and of course, if we feed that kind of diet, we still put in salt, we still put in minerals like calcium and phosphorus and we still put in um low energy i'm still uh concerned about uh tail biting and those kinds of social vices and one thing to keep in mind a lot of the potassium in the diet that's essential for the pig comes from soybean meal Mm -hmm. or protein sources and if we take that soybean meal out we better make sure we got enough potassium in that diet as well right yeah that's a good point very interesting. One thing that, that I've discussed with a few nutritionists the last few days is maybe uh, depending where they are on tryptophan, bringing a little down. Yes. Yeah. I think there's specific amino acids that we can play with, uh, Marcio, that could. And, and so, and obviously, uh, tryptophan is, is one of those. Uh, it's why tryptophan is so dang hard to study when we're trying to define requirements because it disturbs feed intake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so lowering tryptophan um, would be uh, potentially an option. Um, Baiting a little bit maybe. Maybe, but 
the, then the question is, how do we formulate the diet to get those deficient? And, and then what other amino acids? And so if we lower the protein level down to get tryptophan, we're sometimes adding synthetic tryptophan anyhow, so we can take that out. Right, right. Valine, perhaps less so. So if we lower the protein, lower the protein, then we've got all those other amino acids that we have. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, only if you're adding synthetically, right? Uh, That's right. And taking out synthetic tryptophan, not a problem, or synthetic valine. Yeah. Very good, very good. Very good. Any, anything else on the less desirable or you want to move to the not recommended approach? Well, um, probably should go to the not recommended. And, uh, <laughs> the, and those are, when I say not recommended, I mean really not recommended. Um, because they can um, really come up and bite you on the ankle badly. We know that if we restrict water to the pigs, that they that will dramatically reduce feed intake, but that absolutely is not recommended because water must be in good supply. So, for example, if we restrict water, we can get into salt poisoning very, very easily, um, and, uh, and so we do not recommend restricting feed intake, restricting uh, access to water. Another uh, one that we don't recommend is reducing the salt in the diet. That is one that will, especially chloride, people always think when they're thinking salt, they mm. often think about sodium. Yes. Uh, if we fed adequate sodium, say with sodium bicarbonate and lowered chloride, we can really lower feed intake. Mm, interesting. I learned that the hard way when I did diets many, many, many years ago. I shouldn't admit this, uh, <laughs> but we, we goofed and, uh, and it really, uh, really impaired feed intake and growth in the pig. So chloride deficiency by itself, but again, that's a very technical area and it's so easy to make a mistake um, that I, I really don't recommend. That's, those two I just don't recommend. Mm -hmm. That makes that makes total sense, Dr. Patience. Uh, let's see here. Anything else before we wrap up? I know, I know we, we wanted to emphasize something very important that you mentioned is uh, first and foremost, right, the well-being of the animals always, and then uh, regulations, local regulations, all those things that are important. Absolutely. We just, um, these are, you know, if, if this situations arise where animals are not allowed to move, that uh, is is worrisome in its own right, and we but the the well being of the animals always has to be our our number one priority. Very good. Any final words here, Doctor Patience? No, I think we've we've covered the the waterfront, uh, Marcio. I want to thank you very much. Uh, it was great having a chat with you again, and you. Uh, and I just uh, wish you well. Hey everyone, please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics and we even gonna have some controversial topics of the global swine industry so you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our wait list. We'll talk soon.